Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel that aims to disseminate science and research to the community. My name is Amy Stewart, a fourth-year undergraduate student here at the University of Ottawa, and I will be your host for today's episode. Joining us today is Dr. Marta Ciruti, a professor in the Department of Mining and Materials Engineering at McGill University, a prominent figure in the research field of biosynthetic materials, and the team leader of the Biointerface Lab. Dr. Chiruti received her PhD in chemistry at the University of Torino, where she studied bioactive glasses for bone regeneration. She worked as a postdoctoral fellow at North Carolina State University and UC Berkeley. As of today, Dr. Chiruti is the co-director of the McGill Institute for Advanced Materials and an associate member of the Faculty of Dentistry and the Department of Bioengineering. In the Biointerface Lab, her work centers around the incorporation of implants, tissues, and drugs into the human body, as well as how minerals such as calcium and magnesium are formed in living organisms that help her address the questions of curing mineral-based diseases. Today, we'll be discussing her work centering on mineral deposits that lead to aortic valve stenosis. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Truti. Thank you, thank you for having me. So I think a first question would be, uh, what is aortic valve calcification and what causes that? Okay, so valve calcification is what happens when you, when you have a valve that doesn't work anymore. So imagine, what's a heart valve. It's a valve that we have in our heart and aortic valve is the valve that goes from the aorta into the heart. That's why it's called aortic valve. But anyways, um, so we have this valve that usually has to open and close in order to have blood flow in the heart and then be pumped throughout, right? Um, so when you have certain diseases, for example, atherosclerosis, the valve gets inflamed and not only can it get inflamed, you can also start having calcification. So deposits of minerals that normally are not deposited on, on soft tissues like the valve. And when this happens, the valve doesn't function properly. So it won't either close fully or open fully. And so that means that the, the heart doesn't work as well. And so at some point, it's useless and so then I mean you would have heart failure so the only option for treating this condition right now is when it gets really bad you just get a heart valve replacement so they do an open heart surgery and they get the heart valve out and they put a new valve in. So in this paper you guys are mostly looking at um, calcium deposits in the valve or are there other minerals that develop as well? No, they are all calcium deposits and um, the types of calcium minerals, more precisely, it's calcium phosphate minerals. So it's the same kind of minerals that we have in our bones and teeth. So our bones and teeth are also made of calcium phosphate minerals that are deposited on, on a soft uh, matrix, which is collagen. In fact, it's the same matrix that's in the, in the heart valves. But in bones, this is the normal process. And I mean, that's what gives your bones strength, the fact that there are these minerals and you don't only have collagen. But in, in the heart valves, when you start having these minerals, like I said before, it's it's uh, bad news, right? You, okay. The, so while you were studying uh, these mineral deposits, you used a bunch of different methods to kind of quantify like the shape and the composition of them. Do you think you could kind of talk about uh, scanning electron microscopy or Raman spectroscopy or some of the bigger methods that you use? Yeah, sure. So we used a bunch of different methods to try to understand what the minerals are, right? So there are a few established techniques also that biologists use to try to quantify how much minerals people have. 
but we really wanted to understand what they were. And so SCM is secondary electron microscopy. It's a technique that it's kind of like a very high resolution microscope compared to what an optical microscope can give you. So you use electrons and you can get the morphology of your samples at a nanoscopic level. So that allowed us to look at the different kinds of morphology that the mineral deposits had. Um, other techniques that we used were Raman spectroscopy. This is a technique that is based on the interaction between light and um, compounds, and you look at vibrations, basically. And so with that, we can look at the crystallinity of the minerals. That's why we used it, to see if the minerals were more or less crystalline. And then the other big technique that we used is called uh, Nexus, which is near-edge X-ray absorption fine structure spectroscopy. That is a technique that few people use. And uh, in order to uh, use it, you have to go to a synchrotron. So we went to the Canadian light source, which is in Saskatoon. Uh, and there, it's a, yeah, it's a national facility. Everybody that has ideas to use techniques related to synchrotron, you have to put in a proposal. And then if the proposal is accepted, you get time on the beam, on the beam line. So we, we've been using this technique for several years now. So we're pretty decent at getting beam time. And so with that technique, um, you can basically you shine x-rays through and then we, you look at the absorption through the <clears throat> material and with that you can understand um, basically the arrangement of atoms close to a central atom so we do calcium absorption in that case and um, and with that technique we can understand the phases the mineral phases that are present so because usually to understand mineral phases you do x-ray diffraction right xrd and that's a valid technique the only problem is that these are samples that have a lot of different mineral phases and so it's kind of difficult using xrd to see them all and also some are in small amounts so with, with nexus you can understand uh, complex mixtures of phases. And, and even if you have something that's not fully crystalline, you can also see it Whatever with XRD, you would only see the crystalline material. So the combination of all of these techniques were very important for us to really understand what these minerals were. And then also the main topic of the article is the fact that we found some differences in the minerals between men and women. So when the heart valves were extracted from men, we found more of one kind of mineral and from women more of another kind of mineral that's really interesting yeah um can you talk a little bit more about the differences uh in the calcification between men and women how does that affect like the prognosis of the disease like is it just as severe in both cases or um do the differences not really impact like the disease outcome yeah so I'll, I'll tell you first what was already known so before our study it was already known that um for the same severity of disease men have more calcification than women. So even though, so let's say when you get to the point that the valve needs to be extracted and, and replaced because it's so bad that it doesn't work anymore, men have more calcification and women have less. And uh, most people seem to think now that females have more fibrosis. So it's more fibrotic tissue versus men have more calcified tissues. So it's like two different types of pathologies that end up leading to the same uh, consequence, which is heart failure. What we found is that not only there are different amounts of minerals, but also the 
types of minerals were different, which we think means that there are different, because when the minerals deposit in our body, this is known, actually we had already discovered it a few years ago for other types of pathological classification, and it's also known for bone. In the end, our bones are made of a specific type of calcium mineral, which is called hydroxyapatite, but it's not that when you're born, that's the mineral you have. The, the mineral formation starts with some precursor that are more amorphous and then over time they crystallize and they change phase and they become this more stable hydroxyapatite phase. And so what we found is that, uh, so the final phase seems to be hydroxyapatite both for men and for women in this heart valve classification, but the pathway that leads you from the more amorphous precursors to hydroxyapatite seems to be different for men and for women. And so what we thought that could mean is that maybe there are different mechanisms that lead to one versus the other and so what does it mean in terms of uh disease and in terms of cure so i mean in terms of disease um it's hard to say exactly what the different minerals would imply because as i said uh there's also the problem of fibrosis so women also have these large amounts of fibrosis that contribute to the malfunctioning of the valve. Although we do find, for example, that in different the differences in morphology are significant. So women tend to have more of these calcified fibers versus the spheres that we found in men. And maybe the fibers end up having, you know, worse mechanical properties or like kind of impact the mechanical properties of the valve different than the sphere. So maybe even that has an effect. But I think at least what's important is that the prevention and possibly the cure should be different for women and men. You know, if if the two have different mechanisms, then we should treat them as different events. And so maybe we should develop drugs that relate to, you know, the precursors that are found more in the women versus the precursors that are found more in men to have a more personalized approach. And I mean, another issue, this is well known already, but <clears throat> so because women, like I said, have less calcification than men for the same disease severity, because the disease is diagnosed right now through CT scans. So basically it's a technique that that um, that's used in the hospitals that uh, looks at how much mineral you have. So you just x-rays and you look at the contrast. So if you have mineral, you have more contrast. And so because females have less, then they tend to be diagnosed at a later stage than men. So then even because of that, the prognosis is worse. In fact, it's known that men are at higher risk for cardiovascular disease than, than women. So being men is a risk factor for having cardiovascular disease. However, after a certain age, females have worse prognosis than men. So, for example, if you have your heart valve replaced and you look at the death rate after that, for females, it's much worse than for men. So, like I said, maybe one point is that they are diagnosed later. And so by that point, things have already gone worse or maybe there's other factors. Yeah, we kind of hope that our study gives a little bit of an extra edge, you know, okay, maybe we need to focus also on the types of minerals that are present and find new strategies to maybe detect those types of minerals earlier, right? That's so interesting how you guys helped unravel, you know, the the different aspects of the disease development between men and women. 
I think that's so important because like you said, it's kind of treated as just like the same disease before, but when you highlight that there really are important differences, not only in the development, but the outcomes, that's really cool. Um, do you guys have any plans to continue with this line of research and kind of characterize it more? Yeah, yeah. I have um, several students <clears throat> working on the project, one specifically on the sex differences. So we're, uh, we're uh, making some models in the lab to try to model these sex-specific differences so that we can then you know, develop these different diagnostic or treatment techniques. And then we're also trying to analyze more samples, both of heart valves and also of other pathological classifications uh, to see if there are other sex-related differences in classification that happens, for example, in, in the arteries. So there are, not we have classification, we can have classification not only on the heart valves, but also on the arteries. So... And my group has studied that in already. And so now we're looking at, okay, are there sex-specific differences in that? When we did our previous studies, we never looked into that. And in fact, we were looking at animal models and we were only looking at male, male animals. It's very typical when you look at biological, biomedical research, very few people look at the effect of sex. And it's uh, kind of like a new, new requirement. A lot of uh, funding agencies more and more are aware of this that's a problem and they start asking researchers to for first thing at least declare the sex of the animals mm -hmm. and also cells have a sex very few people realize <laughs> but yes when you take cells when you take primary cells they come from a donor the donor has a sex and so the cells have a sex and so you know they will react differently depending if they come from a male or a woman so that's another thing that we're trying to hope to include cells in our models and have cells from different sexes and see also that in vitro what happens. That's really interesting. I think it's really important to highlight again that, like you said, um, whether or not the animal models that were used were male or female or the cell lines. And it's great that you're exposing like a new generation of scientists who making sure they include that in their research. And then hopefully these things like sex specific differences will be seen a lot earlier on. That's really cool. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Truti. This is great insight into aortic valve calcification, the sex-specific formation, uh, and as well as all the different techniques that you use to analyze it. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show to share your amazing work with the Beats audience. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, listeners, for your time and support, and thank you to students Amy Stewart, Shishida Singh, Min Chan, and Jade Gamlingao from the Translational and Molecular Medicine Program at U Ottawa, and the rest of the Beats team for the research and editing of today's episode.